How do we evaluate the Giants offseason overall? How come they don't give deals to their starting pitchers who turn into aces like Kevin Gosman and Carlos Rodon? And hey, are those pesky Arizona Diamondbacks a legitimate threat in the National League West? And could they possibly finish ahead of the Giants in the standings? I get into it with Miller Thomas from Locked on D-backs next. You are Locked on Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked on Giants, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on the show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And where we get started is talking to Miller Thomas from Locked On D-backs. This was almost an hour conversation, and so we're going to break it into multiple parts. Today, you know, is the first part of this conversation. We talk about the Giants offseason. I know, uh, you know, ups and downs, certainly the 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 highest of highs thinking you're getting Judge and Correa and the lowest of lows when it falls apart. And then somewhere in between their kind of contingency plans and also in detail about the Giants tendency to not re-sign their starting pitchers who have become aces. So all of that and much more coming up next with Miller Thomas from Locked on D-backs. Ben, how are you doing today, sir? Doing great. I mean, spring training is finally here. It was an eventful offseason for the Giants. A lot of, you know, lots to talk about, but not necessarily lots coming near or completing a deal. You know, a lot of close calls. But anyway, I'm happy to get the games going and the season around the corner. A lot of close calls for the Giants this offseason, which we're going to talk about, Ben. But since you brought, you know, brought up spring training, you know, I live out here in Arizona, basically the home of spring training. The Giants have their stadium out here. Uh, how come you're not pulling up to hang out with me, Ben? Hmm. I've, I've been thinking about it, honestly. So maybe uh-huh. I will hit you up it. and uh-huh. go down there. I mean, the WBC's mm-hmm. there. You know, they got some games at, at yeah. the Diamondbacks Jeez. Park. The Team USA going to play some games there. So I've been thinking about it, but... Yeah, it's always a good time up over there. Hope the listeners heard that. Very non-committal. I'm Ben Caspic trying to hang out with me in <laughs> <That's> Arizona. Me. <laughs> Very non-committal. Oh, Ben. And you know, well, speaking of being non-committal, let's talk about the Giants offseason, Ben, because we've had a whole bunch of free agents. We've already discussed uh, on a previous podcast during the offseason about the Korea and Aaron Judge. But I just I know every podcast host asks you about your offseason and those deals. And we're going to do the same thing here on the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast because I just want you to really just relive those feelings and emotions that you felt when you're like, man, Aaron Judge is coming home. We're going to give him a big deal. Okay, that's not happening. Man, Carlos Correa, we're going to give him the bag. We might have missed out on Judge, but at least Correa is coming. Ah, wait, knee issues. Ben, after an offseason that was so eventful and with the ups and downs, how are you feeling after the Giants offseason? I don't know how to feel. I feel like I've been whipped around like I was in the ocean and a wave was tumbling me up, down, side. I don't know which way's up at this point, but I got through it. I came out the other side. I dried off 
and I kind of got reacclimated to being on land. That's kind of how I feel. But at okay. the time, it was it was emotionally tough. Uh, the Aaron Judge kind of John Heyman false alarm tweet. That was about seven minutes of thinking the Giants had Judge, which was, was I mean, great. imagine. Imagine thinking your team just signed the guy who just hit 62 home runs and was the best player in the game. It's just a huge superstar. And then to have it not happen, and then it's like, oh, okay, they got Carlos Correa, which is not a bad fallback option, and a $350 million deal, 13 years he's going to be here. It's the star they need. And then for seven days, we had to live, you know, we got to live through that thinking that they were going to get him and then to have it fall apart. It was it was really emotionally tough. And it wasn't just for me. It was for like a lot of fans. And so that's hard to recover from when you don't end up with those guys. But they did do a lot of moves. It's not like they were otherwise inactive. They signed a lot of veteran players who are solid players. Uh, so I feel OK about the team going into the year, but it you know, definitely a letdown overall for this offseason. Yeah, I think the last time we talked, that sign behind you had something to do with Carlos Correa, but now it just says locked on Giants, which is a pretty cool sign. I might need to get one of those for my podcast. But when you look at that judge almost signing, like that's kind of the issue we have with reporters nowadays. Uh, They want to be the first one to break the story instead of getting the story right. We see that with sports reporters in the NBA, NFL, uh, baseball. Like a lot of these reporters just want to be the first one to have the story about but how about getting the story accurate? That's very important. But when you look at the Aaron Judge almost signing to the Giants and the Carlos Correa almost signing to the Giants, which one do you think hurts more to you as a fan that they didn't sign? And just the team, which one do you think would have been a better long-term fit? Because, of course, I guess Aaron Judge is the better player. He's coming off that monster historic season. But maybe a guy like Carlos Correa would have been a better fit for the franchise with the way he does defensively, with how he, you know, your infield is not exactly deep right now in terms of talent. So as a fan and as an organization, which whiff do you think hurts the Giants more long term? Well, they definitely both hurt. And so uh, it's kind of hard to say, but I do think it's actually Correa because, I mean, part of it is that they actually had an agreement with him. And so that makes it sting a little bit more. But also, if you think about the the future of the shortstop position for the Giants, they've had Crawford forever and he's going to be 36 this year and it's the last year of his contract. And so if you project out to 2024, you're looking at, are we going to re-sign Brandon Crawford and bring him back for his age 37 season? Uh, and you look at, in their minor league system, there's not necessarily a guy who's like figures to be right on the doorstep. You could look at a Marco Luciano, who has at times been considered like a top 10 prospect in baseball. He's kind of dealt with some injuries. He currently has like a stress fracture in his back, and he's kind of stalled out, uh, just barely reaching... Did he even make it to double? I don't think he even made it to double A. And so, yeah, so so I think it's Carlos Correa because if you look at next year's free agent class, there two years in a row we had elite free agent shortstops with Corey Seager, Carlos Correa twice, and Trey Turner, and uh, on and on. There were a lot of star shortstops out there, and the Giants didn't come away with one of them. They thought they did with Correa. But because of that, their future at that position is totally unclear whereas in the outfield i think it's maybe a little bit easier to figure how they're gonna fill that spot moving forward and also correa is younger he's gonna be 28 this year uh and aaron judge is gonna be 31 so three years younger you get three additional prime years out of correa so that that one they both sting but that one i think he fit the team 
in the present and the long term, maybe a little bit better. Yeah, I have to double check that real quick because I was like, is Korea younger than Aaron Judge? But he actually came in 2015, Carlos Korea. Aaron Judge came in, in 2016. It feels like Korea has been in the league a lot longer than Aaron Judge, but that's not actually true. But Judge did come into the league. He was like, what, like a 25, 26-year-old rookie? That We don't really see that a lot in baseball. And I just think as a D-backs fan, as a guy who has to go against all these NLS teams, I think I would have just been more scared if you got Aaron Judge than a Carlos Correa because – that career contract would have been so long, and yes, he's younger than Aaron Judge, but I think Aaron Judge would have been better as a DH long-term as opposed to a college career because of that offensive upside that Aaron Judge has. Like, I feel like if you just make him your full-time DH, that's just like the perfect role for him. He could still go out there, still smash you 50 home runs, still be a huge impact piece. I feel like Carlos Correa... A lot of his value, he's still a great offensive player, but a lot of his value also comes from defense. If he ever had to like eventually transition to just third base or DH, his value, I think, diminishes more than Aaron Judge's. Plus, Aaron Judge just would have been the closest thing that we've seen in San Fran since like Barry Bonds. There's a dude that could go out there, and every time he's at the plate, it just must see TV. It's Hollywood. Fireworks can happen. So I think as a D-backs fan, I would have had a little bit more fear in my heart if it was Aaron Judge strutting up to the place as opposed mm-hmm. to Carlos Correa. But seeing neither one of them strut up to the plate for the Giants this season makes me very happy <laughs> about that, Ben. But I want to ask you, how do you think the Giants cleaned up with some of their other offseason signings? But before we get there, Ben, I first want to tell you about the best, the best betting sponsor that's in America right now. America's number one sports book. Have you heard about this? I sure have. Yeah, FanDuel. Oh, my God. Look at this, man. He's on it with the trivia today because... America, listeners, listen up. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. That is my favorite thing to do because guess what? When the Lakers were healthy and when they were rolling, my favorite same game parlay to do LeBron, 25 points. LeBron, five rebounds. LeBron, five assists. With AD going for 25 and 10, that felt like instant money in my wallet every night. So don't miss a chance to get your no sweat. First bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. We can go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more at FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, back here with Ben Caspic of Locked on Giants. And yes, you might have missed on the Carlos Correa's and the Aaron Judges of the world. But don't worry, you're still able to bring in some superstar talent with Michael Conforto, Mitch Hanniger, Ross Stripling. Whoop, whoop, whoop. How do you feel like the Giants rebounded after thinking you were going to get some major players and still... Listen, those guys aren't bad. Those guys are good major leaguers, but they're not the same level as the Correas and Aaron Judges, MVP-level players. So how do you think the Giants salvaged their offseason after some of those big whiffs? I guess you could say they did about as good as they could if they were not going to land any elite talent that was out there. And I think that specifically with a guy like Conforto, I mean, when he was at his best with the Mets, he was he was one of the best players in the National League. And I've made 
this point a bunch. I think if he had reached free agency after the 2020 season, just a couple years ago, he would have easily been in line for a deal in excess of $100 million. And it's not like he's old either. He just turned 30 years old today. And it's, it's a, it's a short commitment, you know? So if, you know, he's coming off a shoulder surgery and if he were to have problems under performance or, you know, more injuries, then it's something that doesn't, they're not going to be stuck with long-term, but he's, if you just look at some of the seasons he had with the Mets, that's the kind of upside that he brings. And likewise with Michael Conforto, uh, excuse me, with Mitch Hanniger, he's a guy who hit uh, 39 home runs in 2021. And I I don't even think that was his best overall offensive season. Uh, You know, originally, or not originally, but, you know, traded from the D-backs to the Mariners. And so Mm D-backs fans probably familiar with Hanniger, uh, they're they're solid players, and then in the rotation they added two guys as well, with uh, Ross Stripling who had a really nice year last year with the Blue Jays, Sean Manaya who had a really not nice year last year with the Padres, but otherwise in Oakland was pretty much the ace of that staff on some good A's teams, and then in the bullpen they bring in a couple guys as well with Taylor Rogers, who's historically been a good. Uh, reliever although not coming off a very good year and then luke jackson who was a really good reliever on that uh braves 2021 championship team uh he is recovering from tommy john but going to debut a couple months probably into the season so they went with kind of i don't like to say quantity over quality because they are quality but i mean quantity over impact quality okay if that makes any sense like superstar i guess yeah Uh, but at the same time like i think the timing of the correa deal falling apart was really poor because in between when they thought they had signed him and when the physical was failed the two best remaining players were still out there in Dansby Swanson and Carlos Rodon and I I just wonder if they knew that the Correa thing was going to fall apart if maybe they pivot to like a Dansby Swanson as a fallback option uh, in that case and so I really thought they like kind of had to come away with a star and they clearly were trying to do it. And they, they agreed to terms with Korea. You just never see these things fall apart. So it's hard for me to say. But ultimately, I think they'll be all right. I think they'll compete and they'll be in the race. But it is it is really disappointing that they didn't come away with that impact guy. It really felt like now was the time for that. And why, and why do you think they didn't at least pivot to a Rodon or maybe just bring him back initially at the start of the offseason because last year the Giants kind of went through this as well when they had Kevin Gosman then Lem walk to the Blue Jays but they were able to pick up Rodon on like a one-year high upside flyer and he performed spectacularly for you guys to the point where he looked like a legit Cy Young candidate this year now he goes to the New York Yankees I'm like the Yankees are a legit World Series contender now with Rodon as their number two Nestor Cortez as your number three like I love that top three starting rotation for the Yankees I'm just like why didn't the Giants just run it back with Rodon? Like, he's still young. Like, I know you personally usually have concerns when you give pitchers long-term contracts. Like, do you think the Giants have the same issues? Because I think a Logan Webb, Carlos Rodon, one-two punch would just been at least a really nasty combo and a legit frontline playoff rotation where you got that as your foundation piece for your whole roster. And, yeah, maybe your lineup's not that strong. Maybe you still got to work on your bullpen. But you at least can point to your rotation say with those two guys at the helm at the front of my rotation at least now have a quality playoff rotation with those two guys in big games well imagine if it was logan webb carlos rodon and kevin gosman oh you know, now we're right? talking that's a superstar so they, rotation right and then they 
I think they've got some quality. You know, they, right now they've got a lot of guys. I mean, they've got like seven legit major major league starters. And so if you've got a Webb, Rodon, Gosman, and then just like three or four of those guys instead. But I really do think it comes down to they just – if I don't think they want to give a long-term commitment to a starting pitcher. Uh, and we've, I feel like we've talked about this a couple years in a row uh, where we're looking back. We always talk about Madison Baumgartner and how that deal has not yeah. gone well uh, for Arizona. Um, don't bring it up. I know, right? You don't <laughs> want to bring it up, but it's the reality of the situation. And I look at Patrick Corbin, uh, another former D-back, right? Was yeah. great with the great, great kind of yeah. final year there, final couple years, I think. And then goes to Washington, has a great first year. But then it's been a complete and utter disaster. Let's not mince words about it. It has been a disaster <laughs> for him. He's like the worst pitcher in the league, basically, now. I'm going to look up his and numbers he, right now. Yeah, please. And, <laughs> you know, he got a huge contract. To me, he kind of reminds me of Rodon in a way. Like, not that the stuff is necessarily similar, but just kind of a couple really good years right as he was reaching free agency and then parlays that into a huge contract and then has a good first year, but then falls apart. And then look at Steven Strasburg. How about that guy? I mean, they gave him oh. this enormous contract, and he basically has not pitched at all the whole time. 2020, 2021, 2022, he's not going to pitch. He's dealing with more stuff in 2023. And they gave and him he's like still 200. Trying to come back. But it, it, this is like year four where he's almost not going to pitch at all. And when he's pitched, he hasn't pitched well, and it, it, they gave him a huge contract. And so, anyway, look, I'm not saying it it always doesn't work out. There are certainly examples we could point to where deals like this do work out, but a lot of the time they don't. I mean, even in-house with the Giants, Barry Zito, Johnny Cueto, Jeff Samarja, there's just so many examples of pitchers just... They just turn really fast from good to bad, and I think that they are risk-averse, and they've had a lot of success they originally signed Kevin Gossman for one year, $9 million, and they got ace production out of him. They bring him back on the qualifying offer the next year, ace production out of him. One year deal for Rodon, two years with an opt-out, ace production. So I think they, they've they they've got a pretty good track record of, of having success without having to take on the long-term risk. And so be that as it may, I think they're just going to continue to do that rather than make that huge commitment. Not and popular, I but... That's what they do. And I would like to see someone do like an experiment on like what the red flags are for when you want to sign a pitcher to a long-term deal. What are the red flags you should look for to not sign him? Because obviously a guy like Madbum had a whole bunch of red flags even before the D-back signed him. But I don't know. Strasburg, I mean, he definitely was a little injury prone even before the big contract, but he was still like a freaking stud at the time of him signing it. So it's like, I don't know the Barry Zito's uh, and the, or like the Matt Keynes of the world was like fantastic at the time of he signed his deal. And then he got a whole bunch of injuries. He was done by the time he was 30. So I'm like, what are the red flags team should look for before signing these big contracts? I think that would be like a pretty fun experiment. Someone should do because I honestly don't even yeah. know. And the teams probably have it. That would be kind of my guess. And I mean, honestly, I from what I've un, from what I understand, a lot of a lot of the time it's just innings, and mm. when your arm just has so many innings on it, it's kind of like a ticking time bomb in your elbow, and it's just at some point the wear and tear of throwing that many pitches and innings is just going to catch up to you. 
Yeah, but then it's like there the are certain Verlander, guys like Verlander, yeah. Scherzer, certain guys that just doesn't happen for. So it, it is a good question. Very good. Yeah, question. that's why I'm like, if you gave Verlander like a 10 year deal when he was like 30 years old, you would have thought it was a stupid deal. But it's like this guy at 40 still is winning Cy Young and stuff. Could have done the same thing with Max Scherzer. So it's like so random how some of these pitchers can like sustain even be injured because we saw Verlander undergo Tommy John just like two years ago. Then he came back and still was the best pitcher in the game. So it's like even sometimes when these guys are ticking time bombs, it doesn't matter. Maybe they got to take a year off, but then they come back and still are great. But then you look at someone like Chris Sale, who was a beast at the time of he of, of his signing, and he's been another Steven Strasburg type who has it's been tough for him to stay on the mound since he signed that contract. So it's very curious to see the volatile nature of these pitchers when it comes to long-term contracts, because of course position players are volatile too, when it comes to long-term contracts. So I feel like it's more in the back half of the deal. These pitching contracts, they could just turn bad, like immediately after one year, like some of these guys turn 30, 31. It's like, Whoa, they're, they're a whole different pitcher than what they were when they were younger. But I guess it's, I guess you have to do it case by case. And like you said, look at like the, the mileage on the arm, because a guy like Mad Bum, he broke into the league at 19 multiple 200 inning seasons before he turned 30 like maybe that's someone where it's like all right maybe we shouldn't go too long with him but honestly his contract is not like insane like five years 85 for a guy who was multi-time world series winner like it's not like insane contract but they backloaded the deal which makes it more hurtful so he's making like yeah this year and even so even though it's a modest deal it's still been the performance has been so bad that it's not even close to worth it right it's he hasn't been worth really a major league contract probably honestly i'm bragging on the guy but it's been rough right i mean it's been very very rough it's been rough and actually looking at patrick corbin i'm like should i do an experiment on who's been the worst pitcher the last two years mad bum or corbin because we know when you're going baseball reference and you see a whole bunch of bold it's usually a good thing that means you led the league in something you're like oh i see a whole bunch of bold this means this guy's a stud player but for patrick corbin he's got a bunch of bold for different reasons because the last two years he's led the nl and earned runs in 2021 also led the nl and home runs allowed and the last two years he led the league in losses now losses he's on the worst team in arguably baseball so i won't put the losses on him but the earned runs and the home runs allowed uh you can't lead the league in those and still be good so i'll definitely put the blame on on him for that but looking at the free agents the giants did sign ben is there anyone in particular that you're keeping your eye on that could be maybe a bigger impact than what people are are just talking about when surrounding the giants because i know you talked about conforto and his upside and i think if he was healthy last year and then entered free agency this year like everyone's getting paid this offseason like him and brandon nemo are probably both getting 100 million dollar contracts from the new york met so is there one of those players that the giants signed from this offseason that you're keeping your eye on that you think is a little under the radar that could pop for this team well i, I think first is probably conforto but i also believe Mitch Haniger, he has had some really good seasons and he's also he's been quote unquote injury prone but if you look at some of the injuries he's had he's had some very fluky injuries like uh I don't know if you know or the listeners know he he had a ruptured testicle on a foul ball that he Uh, hit uh, yeah rough right and he missed a lot of time with that um (laughs) understandably so and other kind of fluky things like that. But if you look at when he was healthy and when he kind of had a full season, he's been really good. And I mean, 39 home runs is kind of insane. But for me, for him, it's going to come down to defense. Because if you look at kind of the advanced metrics for him over his career, he's been up and down kind of defensively. And so if he can be healthy and then be the good defensive version of himself, I think that 
he's got the upside, I wouldn't say of a superstar, but of an all-star caliber player. And Michael Conforto, I mean, he averaged like 30 home runs over a four-year period and on-base percentages of like 370. So they both have the potential to be really good players, but also they have the potential to be mediocre players. And I think they probably lie somewhere in between where they're good, but not great, but not mediocre. And <laughs> I don't know, on, on the pitching side, it's interesting because, you know, last year, like you said, they bring in Rodon, who I knew immediately had the upside to be like an ace. And what they do this year with Stripling and Manaya, I don't think either of those two are kind of those types of pitchers. They're more like contact-oriented pitchers. And I don't think they're going to have that Cy Young-type season that Rodon was able to have. But they finally have some young guys beating down the door a little bit in uh, Kyle Harrison. Just I know the D-backs have even more young studs on the way, but uh, the Giants have their own, maybe one or two. And uh, you're probably going to see Kyle Harrison at some point this year. And I know that wasn't really the question, but he's he's a guy to look out for as well. Uh, Taylor Rogers, he's been a good reliever. I don't know. For me, it's the it's the offensive players. They need one of Hanniger or Conforto to kind of go off. I think that would be a key to this season. No Sean Manaya, no Sean Manaya talk for you. Are you out on I Sean mean, Manaya? Look at his look at what he did last year. I just I'm you know a little bit uh, tempering my expectations. I know he was good, but when he's been good, he's not like a dominant strikeout artist like Rodon was. He's more like an average strikeout rate and just kind of get re- really good results without being that blow people away type of pitcher although reportedly in his first spring start he was up to 96 whereas last year at this hmm. time he was like 88 90 so oh, that's a they, big jump it is and they've had you know alex cobb was the same thing last year he came he's normally historically been a guy who throws like 91 and last year he was up to like 98 at times and so they've sent guys to try to drive line up in seattle and guys have been able to add velocity so we'll see if that translates for Manaya, it certainly could. If you're going from low 90s to mid to upper 90s, that can make a big difference. Yeah, it sounds like you sent these guys to Biogenesis uh, <laughs> and you an eight ticks of velocity <laughs> your fastball in the offseason. Sounds yeah. like you're pretty insane. I don't know what kind of training you got to do to add that much raw power on your fastball, but uh, might have to go see A-Rod's guys real quick. <laughs> All right, that is all the time we have for today. Had to cut that conversation short. Stay tuned for more of this conversation when we get into much more, including the rule changes coming to Major League Baseball, what Millard and I think of these changes, and also a wager on on which of these teams we both feel that our team will finish ahead of the other, and we're going to make a wager. So stay tuned for that, probably coming up tomorrow. And anyway, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please hit that subscribe button if you're on YouTube. And also you could like, comment, and leave a review on iTunes or whatever. And uh, We really appreciate it. So thanks in advance. And thanks to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? 
I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.